Alright, alright. Welcome back to Drop Pass Podcast. All European prospects behind us now. Season previews are a few episodes away. So this week we gonna check the most influential players for each team regarding their success overall. By that I mean most valuable assets in their organizations at this point whether it is their mascot or one of the players. No discrimination whatsoever. Few notable contracts were signed this week as well, so I'm going to mention those before we head to each team's MVPs. We are going to keep it short and sweet this week as we get ready for the season previews. Next week I will have a bye week because I have my first school deadlines and I will use the remaining free time to prepare the season previews so that I can get them absolutely on point and we can get started with them the very next week. So already in advance I will apologize for not uploading but you can count on the fact that the season previews will be thorough. You have my word on that. But I think that's good enough start to this episode, so without further ado, let's get going. And another episode is now underway. We got some new contracts to talk about from the past few weeks, but I will only glance over them pretty quickly since most of them were RFA contracts and so more or less anticipated ones. First, Ryan Donato left the Sharks and joined the expansion team Seattle Kraken with one-year deal. Tyler Bozak prolonged his stay in St. Louis with one-year sheet. Then Kyler Yamamoto earned his one-year bridge deal with the Oilers, carrying 1.175 AAV. Logan Brown was signed to a one-year two-way contract, but he was later on traded to St. Louis for Jack Sanford and 2022 fourth-round pick. Nolan Patrick was also signed by the Golden Knights with two-year 1.2 million bridge deal. Ellis Merzlikins earned his big paycheck from the Blue Jackets. Five years with 5.4 million AAV. Kirill Kaprizov finally put pen to paper and signed five-year 9 million sheet with the Wild. And finally, Robert Thomas, Rasmus Dahlin and Cal Peterson all bridge deals with their respective teams. Thomas will earn 2.8 million for the next two years with the Blues. Dallin's cap hit will be 6 million for the next three years. And lastly, Cal Peterson will guard the King's crease with three-year 5 million contract. Few notables still hanging in the air. Pedersen, Hughes and Kachuk. And all of them are most likely signed within the next few weeks. Now that most of their training camps are underway. And before I forget, Gifford Bellows and Michael Dalcall were also signed, but Lamorello never leaked their paychecks, so we don't know how much they are earning next year. Yes, shock. Also, Travis Zajac announced his retirement, just like Curtis McElhinney, so congratulations to both of them for great and somewhat under-the-radar careers. Nevertheless, those were the newest contract news so let's head to each team's MVPs shall we okay to mix things up a bit 
Looking towards the team previews, we are not going to go through the NHL in an alphabetical order, but more so break down each individual division team by team. That's what we will do today as well. We will start it off with the Pacific Division. Then we will move straight across the continent and look at the Atlantic Division teams. Right after we head back to Western Conference and look at Central Division teams. And finally end it with the other Eastern Conference teams in the Metropolitan Division. This order probably won't stay to the team previews but for now you have the layout so that you don't get confused when we jump back and forth from conference to conference. I think it will add a little twist since otherwise it will be pretty straightforward episode but we'll see how it ends up going. Let's get right to it. First up like I said is the Pacific Division and the teams if you don't already know are Anaheim Ducks, Calgary Flames, Edmonton Oilers, Los Angeles Kings, San Jose Sharks, Seattle Kraken, Vancouver Canucks and the Vegas Golden Knights. When it comes to Anaheim, they will probably find themselves from the bottom half of the division and so the only player whose absence could plummet them even further down the standings would be John Gibson. His numbers have been in decline in the past few years but overall the Ducks have seen a pretty drastic cut in their roster front as well which partially explains the decline in numbers. He still has six years remaining on his multi-year deal so he should be part of their core once the rebuild comes to an end. If not, Lucas Dostal is a capable successor to him but other than Gibson the only viable options I saw were Cam Fowler but he hasn't been an absolute world beater to this point so unfortunately didn't fit the bill. Lindholm has suffered from injuries, Shattenkirk is a ghost of his past, Ricard Raquel is in a no man's land when it comes to his production and future with the club and their young guns are only making their ways to the NHL so they were exempt from this list. And that leaves me with John Gibson as you can see. Without his presence, bottom feeder at best. Next up is Calgary and to be completely honest, now it gets more trickier. I guess you could throw in the argument of losing your starting goaltender with each team but this time even though I thought about nominating Jacob Markstrom I decided to go with Matthew Ketchuk. Markstrom had a down year last season and suffered from injuries but that wasn't the main point why the Flames missed the playoffs. Of course his absence was a critical one but since he wasn't on his level to start with I think that Ketchuk has become kind of a mind and soul of their whole organization. You would probably argue that without Johnny Gaudreau the Flames would be nothing but I just don't agree with that statement. He's an elite forward don't get me wrong but he's extremely one-dimensional when it comes to his skills and for that purpose I would expect bigger numbers from him to be completely honest. Kachuk on the other hand is a multi-dimensional agitating big body presence who has skills as well. He'll go through a wall for the team and is willing to go the distance for the boys. Ultimate locker room player who you hate to play against, especially Jack Cassin, but love to have on your team. To me their most vital piece on the roster 
and you notice it right away if he isn't playing. Players such as Hannifin and Monaghan to me are pretty replaceable, while Mangiapane and Lindholm could be negotiated, but Ketchuk is my pick this time around. Then we head to Edmonton, and you surely can't guess the player here. Yeah, I thought so. The heart and soul of the whole team. Chris Russell. Alright, alright. It's Mac Jesus from Richmond Hill. What can you expect? Leon is important as well, but Mac Davis is just on his own little planet. On to the next one. Now that the Los Angeles Kings are most likely finally recovered from their Stanley Cup hangover, and most of their championship core is getting older, it is easier to pick out the player whose absence would show as the most critical one. Jonathan Quick would have been the easy choice a couple years ago, but now that he is driving towards the retirement sunset, the pick is between two players, Drew Doughty and Anze Kopitar. The easy choice here is Anze Kopitar, who has solely led their offense for a good half a ten year, and being one of the elite two-way forwards in this league. I would have picked him certainly before this summer, but now that they've made some moves on the roster front, I have to give credit to Drew Doughty, who had a bounce-back year last season with the Kings. Both players are undoubtedly the leading forces on both ends of the ice, and you probably knew that there wasn't going to be many other options from this team. Now that their young guns are starting to break into the league in the offensive front, I would say that the absence of Dowdy would be much more crucial to their defense than the absence of Kopitar would be for their offense. Don't get me wrong, Kopitar is a huge piece on their offense, but players such as Arvidsson and Deno, who were acquired this summer, lighten the load which Kopitar has carried for past few years with the Kings. Especially Dano, who is very similar to Kopitar without as lethal offensive instincts, should ease the workload of Kopitar already next year. Meanwhile, when you look at their decor, without Dowdy, you would have a bunch of good, but pretty average defensemen on your back end. Mikey Anderson, Tobias Bernfoot are bound for stable NHL careers, and Matrua and Sean Walker have made names for themselves in the big league. But Oli Matta and Alex Edler are starting to lose their value fairly quickly. So as I said, Dowdy is my pick from the Kings, but Kopitar is debatable as well. Now get ready for the hot take of this episode, because here it comes. For the Sharks, my pick as their most valuable asset to their roster, and the only non-movable player would be Mario Ferraro. Did you just ask who? Well, then let me tell you. Zuma's alumni and second round draft pick from 2017 entry draft. And you can quote me on this. The future captain of the Sharks. Do I need to repeat myself? The future captain of the Sharks in the future. Absolute workhorse in their back end and does leave his soul and body on the ice each time he wears the Sharks uniform. 
Not a huge point getter, but you can count on this guy regardless of the situation. His maturity and leadership ability are amongst the best of them in his age group. And there is no doubt that he won't have a lengthy career in the NHL. I could have chosen likes of Logan Couture, Thomas Hurdle or Timo Meyer for this place. But to me, those are depreciating assets, even though currently they belong to the core of the Sharks organization and especially to their own ice leaders. You can just forget about their two elite defensemen because I think they would love to ship one of them elsewhere if someone was willing to take that chance. If you want to debate on my pick, please feel free to do so. But like I said, Mario Ferraro is my pick from the Sharks. Since no one has seen the Seattle Kraken in action yet, this brings another element to this listing. Their strongest assets are in goal in my mind, so I decided to be boring and pick out Philip Grubauer as their MVP. And even though in this case his absence wouldn't be as dramatic as with many other teams, thanks to Chris Dreger's presence, I feel like they are pretty equally strong on both defense and offense, so the absence of one player from either of them wouldn't hurt them as much as losing one of their standout goaltenders. Of course, if Jaden Swartz has a huge comeback season, the story will be different, but until then I'm willing to put my money on the German goaltender. But it will be interesting to see which players stand out and elevate their game to new levels, like William Carlson did in Vegas. The penultimate team from the Pacific Division is the Vancouver Canucks, and while there really is just two players to choose from, Quinn Hughes was the easy choice to me. While his defensive game is still work in progress, his offensive upside and puck moving ability are from the top of the league and missing that from your back end could be crucial in the future. While Pedersen is a dual threat when he is on the ice, his injury problems decreased his value in my eyes and they have other strong forwards on their core already, which made the choice even easier. His absence showed in Vancouver's last year's success, that's for certain, but... I feel like they would lose a whole lot bigger piece if Quinn would be out of the team. Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, Nils Höglander, JT Miller and Vasily Podgalsin make a decent top six on their own. And add to that, they're this offseason's acquisition, Connor Garland, and you have strong presence on both sides of the puck. The last team from the Pacific is the Vegas Golden Knights, and to me, this was pretty straightforward. One of the best defensive forwards in the league, Mark Stone. Though, now that Flurry is gone from Vegas, the loss of Lehner would hurt the team quite a bit, and knowing his injury background, Laurent Brossois should get mentally ready to play at least 20 games in the regular season. They have contributors offensively all around their top nine, and have studs in their defense, but Stone's presence on the ice is immeasurable, and it wasn't a surprise that this guy was announced as the organization's first ever captain. But that's it for the Pacific, and hopefully now you've got the idea how this episode will run through, now that we've gone through the first eight teams. Let's continue. Next up, 
Atlantic Division and the teams up next are Boston Bruins, Buffalo Sabres, Detroit Red Wings, Florida Panthers, Montreal Canadiens, Ottawa Senators, Tampa Bay Lightning and Toronto Maple Leafs. With the Bruins, you have the argument about their first line, Red Marchand, Patrice Bergeron and David Pasternak and losing one of these three would be a huge setback for the Bruins, that's for certain. But we've seen in the past few years that the team can survive without one of their stars in the first line, especially now that they've signed Taylor Hall, so I decided to nominate Charlie McAvoy as their biggest asset currently. He has been grooming himself to an elite two-way defenseman in recent years, and in my mind, he already is one of the top defensemen in the league, without a doubt. Sure, the loss, for example, Marchand would hurt them big time, taking into account his partnership with Bergeron and the way they've become the most lethal penalty-killing unit in the league is very impressive. Also, losing Pasternak's offensive output and power play threat would be a huge setback, but to me, now losing the top defenseman from their back end would end up being vital for their success. They've strengthened their back end this year, and Brandon Carlo, Derek Forbord, Matt Grizzlick and Mike Riley would establish a decent top four without McAvoy, but no one is still even close to his level, so that will be my choice from the bees. Biggest asset the Sabres could lose, Jack Eichel. Any other questions? Yes, he will be gone, stripped out of his captaincy and already halfway out the door, so it is only a matter of time at this point. Dalina Cousins would hurt as well, but with Eichel leaving, could be hard to find 25 wins next season with his current roster, so keep the change, Buffalo. Currently, the Red Wings are in the process of rebuilding, as I've said. So to me, there isn't one specific player whose absence would hurt the team that much, to be honest, since their expectations are still quite modest at this point. One player, though, who came to my mind whose impact we already saw last season was Jacob Vrana, and if he keeps his level from the last year, they should have their first-line winger ready once the rebuild is over. He was by far their most prolific forward, even though the absence of Tyler Bertuzzi showed in Dylan Larkin's numbers, I see Vrana as the more influential forward for the Red Wings. In defense, Philip Ronek's absence would hurt the team as well, as newly acquired Nick Letty, and in the crease, Nedeljkovic was a good pickup, but in case he suffers injury, Thomas Grice could take the crease at this point of their journey. So overall, you would get different answers in few years, once the rebuild is starting to be over, and the Young Bucks are stables in the big league. But for now, Steve Eiserman is my pick from the Red Wings. Yes, shank. Yes, if you remember correctly, I never said that it had to be a player. Florida Panthers is up next, and even though you saw the impact that the loss of Iron Eggblad had on the team last postseason, I still have to go with their number one center. Alexander Barkov, just because he does it all and isn't as appreciated in the league as he should be. 
absolute unit on both ends of the ice and similar to Mark Stone, leads the team with his presence and the C on his chest reflects that. Complete player who can play on any given situation and even though Ekblad is their workhorse in defense, Mackenzie Weger proved that even though he has a huge impact on their roster, there are talents that can somewhat replace him in case of emergency, but when it comes to replacing Barkov, there is none. That's a fact. Hashtag no cap. And then we head to Montreal, and now that Shea Weber is most likely out for the season, that decision becomes even easier than before. In the playoffs you saw his value to the organization, so there isn't much to debate on. Without him, the finals would have been just a dream. Carey Price should be pretty straightforward, if you ask me. So I think we move on to the next one. With the sense, the pick to me was quite obvious, while you had few names that could challenge for the MVP spot. But the player I chose from their roster was defenseman and the league leader in play minutes, Thomas Shabbat. The 24-year-old has been a total workhorse for them since the Eric Carlson trade and would get more coverage if he played in bigger market team. But since the Sens have stinked the last couple of years, he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. Without him, their defense would be an absolute bomb. Power play and penalty kill would decrease. So, as I said, his absence would show immediately. Other options would have been Brady Gatchuk or Tim Stutzle, but since both of them are still quite young when it comes to NHL experience, I decided to go with already seasoned Shabbat at this point. Both forwards will have huge impacts for the Sens in the near future, but as many other rebuilding teams, I chose the player who has the biggest impact as we speak. The penultimate team from the Atlantic Division is back-to-back champs Tampa Bay Lightning. And for them, it was tale of two names, to be honest. Andrei Vasilevsky and Victor Hedman. We saw last year the impact of Kucherov's absence. Non-present. Stammer has been in and out of the lineup, but still they've found success. But Hedman's and Vasilevsky's absence is still undiscovered. Hedman is without a doubt a top three defenseman in the league, and while Kucherov was a huge part in their back-to-back Stanley Cup runs, I just can't see them taking back-to-back cups without Andrei Vasilevsky. For sure, their whole core has been as strong as we've seen in recent years, but you just can't ignore the impact that Vasilevsky had throughout the season. They have likes of Ryan McDonough, Eric Chernak, Mihal Sergeyev, and upcoming Callum Food on their blue line. But if they had to fight for a Stanley Cup with their backup Brian Elliott, that would be between a rock and a hard place to say the least. Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in the league, so I would say it would be stupid to think that his absence wouldn't have a huge blowback to their success. End of discussion. And the last team in the Atlantic Division, it shouldn't come as a surprise who the Leafs would miss the most if he left the team. The Rocket Richard winner, Austin Matthews, without question. 
Yes, Mitch Marner and Morgan Riley would be debatable, but I would say most of the people, this is important, most would much rather let Marner leave the team than they would Matthews. This shouldn't be even a discussion, even though both of them feed off each other. But I can see an argument where you choose Marner over Matthews. Goal scoring is the big thing in this league. And even though Marner has been extremely efficient in the offensive zone, Matthews' goal scoring ability is just on another level. So I say we end the debate and move back to the Western Conference. And check the Central Division teams. The last eight remaining Western Conference teams are the Central Division teams. Arizona, who changed to Central this year after Seattle took their spot in the Pacific. Chicago Blackhawks, Colorado Avalanche, Dallas Stars, Minnesota Wild, Nashville Predators, St. Louis Blues and Winnipeg Jets. Let's get it started with the Oats, and since they started their rebuild and shipped off some of their core players, the decision on their most valuable asset is pretty easy. Phil Hot Dog Castle. No, just kidding. Their number one defenseman, Jacob Chikrin. Offensively, broke out of his cage last season, and we can only expect more of that the next few years. Other options would have been Clayton Keller and Nick Smaltz, but Keller hasn't filled the expectations set out for him yet. So we will see if the pendulum will swing the other way in few years. Nick Smaltz is fairly replaceable asset, and they shipped out their former starter Darcy Kemper to Colorado, so no reason to pick those guys either. Chikrin will be a cornerstone defenseman for them for years to come, and hopefully can keep up his production from last season. For Chicago, there isn't much to debate on. Patrick Kane is their franchise player, so if you thought about Seth Jones, please at this point make an appointment to see a therapist because you get something wrong with your hard drive, bro. And until the season starts, the flurry debate isn't even valid. Since we haven't seen him play yet, so the Kane pick should be more than obvious. Same thing in Colorado. Nazem Kadri is the home run. Without his presence in the second line, the Avs wouldn't have reached the playoffs last year. I don't know how drunk I had to be to say those words actually out loud, because Nathan McKinnon is the choice no matter the situation. Spring, summer fall or winter, Christmas or St. Patrick's Day. You could argue April Fool's belongs to Kadri, but other holidays, they are reserved for the Nate dog. What the f*** am I even saying at this point? Well, nevertheless, Kale McCarr would be the other option, but McKinnon is just way too valuable to even consider trading away from Colorado. But in few years, Kale McCarr could challenge him, and that's not even a hot take. It is closer than we think. Then we head to Dallas, and this time it is trickier choice than the previous ones. You could easily throw in Tyler Sagan, but he's been suffering from injuries and sample size currently is way too small to consider him as their biggest asset. Radilov 
is an all-out locker room player and a big part of their core. Jamie Benn is the leader of their group, while his offensive output has fallen off a cliff. John Klingberg is their quarterback on defense, and young studs Robe Hintz and Jason Robertson are on their way to the elite of this league. But at this point, I have to pick out the soup master himself, Miro Heiskanen. His skills, age and contract all shout elite defenseman, and if I was Dallas, I would keep him in a steel vault to make sure he won't go anywhere or doesn't hurt himself. He's already a dynamic presence on their back end and will be one of the elite defensemen in the NHL in next coming years, so that's why he is my pick. Hintzer Robertson are good shouts as well, but to me, Heiskanen is the easy pick without questions. Then we move back to straightforward picks, and guess who it is for the wild? Spurgeon, Brodin, Damba, Eriksson Ek, Fiala. If you said yes at any point so far, go fetch, because the only option really is Kirill Kaprizov. The guy brought the team to the playoffs by himself, if I'm completely honest, and he brought interest to somewhat mediocre franchise once again. Of course, many others had their inputs on their success, especially their new GM Bill Guerin, but the MVP has to go to the Calder winner Kaprizov, and it isn't even close. Spurgeon is an underappreciated defenseman in this league, but doesn't come even close to the level Kaprizov brings to the team each night. Absolute spark plug and straight up stud. The next team is Nashville Predators, and to me, it isn't as close call as some might expect. My pick is their captain Roman Yossi, but Matthias Ekholm, their offensive maestro Philip Forsberg, and especially their new stud goalie, Jose Saros, are pretty close behind as well. But to me, Josi is their foundation and has been stable presence in their lineup throughout the rough patches and still keeps his level as an elite defenseman. If Saros keeps his elite form next season as well, we might be talking about their new MVP. But only after one stellar season, I'm not willing to give the crown to the Finn, even how much I would love to. Ekholm to me is in the fourth place and especially now that he's been surrounded with trade rumors, I wouldn't be too worried about his departure now that Ryan Ellis is also out of their decor and Dante Fabro is pretty much ready to take his spot in their lineup. But like I said, still the most valuable asset is Roman Yossi, but for how long, that only time will tell. The penultimate team in the Central Division is the St. Louis Blues, and to me the choice here is pretty simple. Another top defensive forward of this league, and a Stanley Cup champion, Ryan O'Reilly. Undoubtedly, the heart and soul of this team, just like Mark Stone in Vegas, the two-way presence, willingness to give all for this team, and the ability to combine Great defense with good offensive numbers just tells you the story why he is the pick from the Blues. Binnington, Krug and Pareko are the runners-up, but the value O'Reilly holds is unmeasurable compared to these three. 
But of course, if Pinnington got sidelined during the season, the Blues would be in deep sh to say the least, since Villahuso hasn't been lights out, and that's almost a compliment, to be honest. If Krug finds his offensive numbers that he posted in Boston, the conversation would be a bit different, or if Pareko takes a huge step in his development and becomes the Alex Pietrangelo 2.0, we might have an argument. But for now, O'Reilly is the standout without questions. Finally, we arrive to Winnipeg, and here the pick isn't as straightforward as many times before in this division, but I decided to go with their goaltender, Connor Hellebuck. You might argue Mark Scheifele would be the other option here, and I get the point, but since Hellebuck has been one of the best goalies in recent years, I just can't see him being replaced under a crease anytime soon. On the flip side, in my mind, they have other capable offensive threats on their roster, likes of Nikolai Ehlers, Blake Wheeler, Kyle Connor, Andrew Kopp, and even Pierre-Luc Dubois. So the question here is, which would be harder to replace, straight-up elite goalie or prolific and consistent number one center? When you put it that way, it becomes way harder, but to me the goaltending in this case is the more concerning one, if I may say so, because as you could see, they have firepower behind Shifley. The argument of Shifley is that he has been extremely consistent, and when I say consistent, I mean Connor McDavid and Nikita Kucherov type consistent with his offense, and that just can't be ignored. Neil Pionk is also a big part of their defense, but the pick really is between Hellebuck and Shifley, and this time I even accept the fact if you would prefer Shifley over Hellebuck, but for me, the elite crease presence is the more vital one. But then we arrive to the last remaining division, and the Metropolitan Division teams are Carolina Hurricanes, Columbus Blue Jackets, New Jersey Devils, New York Islanders, New York Rangers, Philadelphia Flyers, Pittsburgh Penguins, and Washington Capitals. Eight teams remaining, so at this point, see if you can guess all remaining players from the list. First up, Carolina, and I think you know that there is only one viable option. The maestro himself, Sebastian Aho. Dougie Hamilton would have challenged him, but... Since he changed scenery this summer, he ain't eligible for this team. Rather, Jacob Slavin and Andrei Svechnikov would have been my runners-up, but at this point, I see Aho as their on-ice leader, who's been extremely consistent throughout his time in Carolina. And to me, it is only a matter of time when he becomes their next captain. Svechnikov could be the other option, but after you see Aho's consistent point-per-game numbers, and overall dynamic two-way game, it becomes way easier pick than anticipated. Of course, Svechnikov is three years younger than Aho, so in few years the thing could be very different, but for now, the former second-round pick, yep, can you believe it, is the most valuable asset in North Carolina. For CBJ, the decision is a bit harder thanks to their fluctuated performances and somewhat mediocre roster. 
First, I thought about going with Elvis Merzlikens, but since he wasn't as lights out last year than he was the year prior, I decided to pass on him at this point. And similar thought came to my mind with Patrick Laine. But until he reaches 30 goals again, I won't nominate him as their most valuable asset. This time, the crown goes to Zach Wierenski, especially now that Seth Jones has departed from their blue line. The weight that Wierenski will carry the the weight that Wierenski will carry has increased tremendously. This could be a different discussion in two months if Liner raises from the ashes like a phoenix and starts to bang in goals like it was just a hobby for him, or Elvis finds his rookie gear again and nothing gets past him. But for now, Z is my pick from the Blue Jackets. They need him more than ever this year, and the dual ability of finding offense while being solid defensively is his biggest strength without questions, and I anticipate his offensive numbers even to increase, now that he will be depended upon on their first line power play unit. Then we arrive to New Jersey, and with the recent moves, the pick from the Devils becomes way harder than it needs to be. Of course, Nico Hischer and Jack Hughes come to mind first when you look at the roster, but I can't ignore Dougie Hamilton's presence on their blue line and the numbers he will bring to their roster. This will be Nico Hischer's team now that Travis Sajak announced his retirement and Kyle Palmieri changed to the island. So this year we will see if he can stay healthy and take the next step towards the leadership role that has been assigned to him. Could be a big year for the Swiss native and the Jack Hughes argument could be present in two years when he starts to add even more to his numbers. But at this point, their biggest asset is Dougie Hamilton in my eyes. Of course, this could backfire tremendously if he struggles in Jersey, but the way he's been changing sceneries and being able to adjust to every playstyle and demand level, I don't count on that to happen. He will bring his presence without a doubt and it will be all on his teammates to drag them to his level as well and create the winning atmosphere once again in New Jersey. For the Islanders, the pick is pretty straightforward as well, but I will let you guess who it is. You got your answer? Good, because it is Barry Trotz. Have you seen what this guy has done in the past five years? He's arguably one of the elite coaches in this league, alongside Tampa's John Cooper, so it is pretty easy to choose him as their biggest asset. Of course, you could argue for the likes of Ryan Pulock, Semyon Varlamov, Matthew Barzal, and Anders Lee, but without trots, they wouldn't have been fighting for a spot in the NHL Finals, and that's a straight-up fact. Certainly, every player has to buy into his system to make it effective, but his style is to make each player as valuable to the team as the guy next to him, so there really isn't room for freeloaders on his teams, or you won't be part of it if you are. Barcel would be the name in some other organization, and would be my choice as their strongest individual on-ice asset, or on their back end, The significance that Ryan Pulock means to their defense is undoubted. But to me, Trotsy is the easy option from the island. 
Then to the last New York-based team, the Rangers. And at this point, it would be hard to argue against last year's Norris Trophy winner after only two seasons under his belt in the NHL. Adam Fox has been absolutely lights out in Big Apple and he has taken the city by storm once arriving to the Rangers organization in 2019. 89 points in his first 125 NHL games is something you dream of and like I said he has only two seasons in the NHL so what else is hiding in the future is a question we need an answer to. There is the argument for Artemi Panarin but related to his age Fox is way younger and has longer future in the NHL so that boosts his value even more. But Panarin is an elite player that's for certain but if you ask me Fox would be much harder to replace than Panarin in my eyes especially when you look at who they got on their roster ready to take the next step towards his production levels. Alex Lafreniere and Capo Kakko. Mika Shibanejad's presence is also vital for the Rangers, but just like with Panarin, try to replace Norris Trophy winner rather than first-line center. It shouldn't be a question. Fox will have a lengthy battles with Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes and Miro Heiskanen for the Norris Trophy the next 10 years, so to me it would be stupid to not name him as their biggest asset. Right after that we moved to Philadelphia and after some consideration I had to choose their number one center Shanko Tourier as their biggest asset whose absence would hurt the team big time. Ivan Provorov was my other option but the way they've addressed their decor this summer by adding Rasmus Ristolainen and Ryan Ellis to their blue line I thought that Provorov's loss wouldn't be as dramatic as losing Couturier from their offense. In addition, Keith Yandel and Travis Sanheim are the other options in defense, so I would say that area is pretty well covered as well. Then we have the argument for Carter Hart, but with his last season statistics, I wouldn't necessarily say that there would be a huge loss if he, for example, got hurt this year. But I certainly don't hope so, because I'm expecting huge bounce back season for him as well. He has such a high potential. I have full belief in his abilities but when you consider Couturier's consistent performances and his two-way capability you just can ignore it. Hart will most likely be their MVP in few years but Couturier's value to the team is unquestionable and his bank account even proves that now. Because if you missed it he signed quite a hefty contract just few weeks back so he will stay in Philly for years to come. But other than Provorov and Hart, at this point I don't see many challengers, so Couturier is my pick from the Flyers. Although Gritty could be an excellent choice on the hindsight. Well, let's just move on. And then we arrive to the last remaining teams, and for the Penguins, if you answer anything else than Sidney Crosby, you should just straight up quit watching hockey and move to Mongolia because you are out of your mind. I mean, I shouldn't even need to justify this pick and in fact, I'm not even going to. 
Rather, I will focus on the last team of this episode, Washington Capitals, and their most valuable asset. And while I was going to pick John Carlson as my pick from the Caps, I just couldn't pull through with that choice. So my pick from the Caps is Tom Wilson. Just kidding. I'm sorry for that. The grade 8 Alexander Ovechkin. I mean, he has lost some of his value and step, but you just can't deny his significance to the organization and the way he has carried himself throughout the years. And to me, he is already the best goal scorer ever in the National Hockey League, period. He is currently 164 goals away from Gretzky's record, but I have no doubts that he will surpass that record, even if he had to play until he's 45. Carlson is their backbone in defense, but I have to tip my cap when it's time for that, and this time I had to use my soft side and give the credit to Ovi, plain and simple. I don't feel the need to justify my pick any more than that, so that pretty much concludes this episode, and I feel like it got the ending we all deserved. But that's it for this week. Like I said, next week will be a bye week, so I'm asking for your forgiveness for my sin. Just get ready for the season previews, because I can assure you that we are going to go through each team in depth. Now that the preseason games are already underway, and teams are starting to finalize their rosters. Thank you once again for listening. You are an absolute superhero for supporting me. If you have any feedback, it is always appreciated. You can find my social media from the description. But that's pretty much it for this episode. Thanks once again for listening. I appreciate your support. And as I said, I will be back in two weeks. So don't worry, buddy. I won't leave you. My friend, have a wonderful week. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. All right.